This is the Linda Steele Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes and listen weekdays 2 to 6 on 980 CKNW and on the Radio Player Canada app. Well, how would you feel about sending your kids off to school and knowing the school has facial recognition? Facial recognition technology would be able to recognize the students and that extra level of security. Well, Nick Badminton joins us in studio. He is a futurist. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you. What is this all about? Okay, so uh, so this is about a school in the U.S. that's actually installed facial recognition technology to to, to basically uh, checking checking each face that they see walking through the corridors or playgrounds against a database of expelled students, sex offenders, and other possible troublemakers. So say a scenario is a student who's been expelled yes. comes back to the school for whatever reason yep. he would he or she would walk in the front door and boom is there a camera would they even know that there's yeah, a camera pro- probably even before they even walk in the front door um, right. right out in the, in the playground or whatever right um, yeah it's, someone would be warned security be called they go down swoop in and, uh, and, and tell that person to please leave the premises or even get them arrested you know or I guess it could even go a step further and be locked into police stations or an alarm could go off or a call to 911 could be made. Yeah, I'm, I imagine like first responses in the school, or second right. responses, like if it's something more critical and they're holding something like that, that, that's very questionable. I think then, you know, security would probably call straight into the police or whoever. How reliable is facial recognition technology? Yeah, I mean, this is, facial recognition has actually been going on for over 20 years in terms of artificial intelligence and and image recognition, and now it's it's really really accurate. Um, they use it in in the Chinese Chinese police service and government, and it's very uh, very active over there. And it's used on millions and millions of people. You, you've got a bunch of different technologies coming out from Amazon and whatever. And it, yeah, it's it, it's there. It's available. It's off the shelf. <laughs> because wasn't there a story? It wasn't that long ago. There was a suspect in China. Um, I don't know if it was a murder suspect. It was a suspect that was wanted. It was at a concert. It was yep. something like forty thousand people, and the technology was able to pinpoint and pick this person out of the crowd. Yeah, because hundreds, hundreds of points of, of focus on the face, um, the facial recognition technology, it's, like, it, it, it's more unique than a fingerprint oftentimes. So then the nefarious part of this, how easy is it for somebody to get around? How, could you alter your face so when you did walk into a school or into some place that had this, it wouldn't pick up on you? Older versions used to like, be able to wear like a cap and sunglasses you know, <laughs> and, and it changed things like, like that. But like facial recognition, because it does use so many points on the face, it's very difficult to obscure. You have to really go out of your way. And really this technology would see someone that's actively <laughs> trying to get around it and it probably flagged them anyway, even though they couldn't recognize them. So even if you were wearing sunglasses, it would still be able to pick you up? Yeah, because there's still dozens of uh, points on your face, like cheeks and nose and mouth and, and chin and whatever that it would be able to recognize you from. What does it need to have you in the system, though? Does it need to have you in person have a f- picture of you, or could it go from a photo? Yeah, it could go from a photograph, for sure. Absolutely. Um, it's nice and easy. The technology these days can actually take a, t- a two-dimensional photo and render it into three dimensions so that you can work this out pretty accurately. What if the what if it had a picture or, or the information it had was when you were say twelve and you were now twenty? Would it still be able to pick you out? That's that's kind of a little bit more tricky, mm-hmm. um, but you can actually simulate people getting older. Um, that that's actually pretty fairly, fairly easy to do these days. Right. Um, but it's kind of a scenario that that's not really happening. I'll be honest.
Uh, privacy concerns, yeah. I'm guessing, people, and we'll open up the phone lines in the second segment with you, but I'm guessing there are parents who are thinking, okay, on the one hand, I want my kids to be safe when they're at school. I like the idea of schools being able to weed out if somebody who's not there, not supposed to be there is there. Uh, what about privacy, though? Who's actually getting the information from the surveillance technology? Yeah, so ultimately, this is going to go to the cloud. I don't know in this particular case where it's going, but it's probably going to the cloud of the system system that, that's been put into the schools into a central database so it can be used across the US, potentially across the world. There is, there, there's an absolute problem with that. It means that every face that the camera actually points at is actually collecting that data without your responsibility. That could cause a huge amount of distrust and worry within the school system. And I think it's the bigger problem is that um, overall messaging about responsibility and safety at schools is being undermined by the fact, here's technology, we don't trust you. And that's the, the start of this conversation. Right. And and that is kind of frightening that it goes yeah. to the cloud and who knows who's accessing it. And and then now somebody suddenly knows your daily routine and knows where you are at all times. Yeah. And, you know, this technology isn't perfect. It has problem uh, like being able to discern people of color, even even women. And also, if you're a brand new offender... And you're walking into a school and you haven't offended before, but you're going to do something like pretty terrible. It can't tell that you're that person, right? Right. It can't read your mind. You can't tell the, the intent. Right. And it could lead to, uh, in other scenarios, kind of letting the guard down, thinking, well, we've got this technology. It's keeping us safe. So we're not physically looking and we're not looking for signs and, and, and doing the other things that we would have been doing to keep safe. Yeah. It's, it, it's like chamomile lotion on the itch of gun ownership problems in the U.S. <laughs> Right. Uh, are there other places or other, you mentioned uh, in China they've been using this. Are there other scenarios where this is being used? Yeah, I mean, this is being used a lot in retail environments. Hmm. Uh, it's, being, it's, being, it's been used a lot in, in very large cities across the world. I come from the UK originally, um, London, places like that. It's been, it's been used for years and years and years. What, do you see any other issues with it? I, I, I think overall, it's just it's another tool in the arsenal. I don't right. necessarily think it's a terrible thing. I just think that un underlying all of this technology to make us feel safe is, is an underpinning of principles and the way to operate your country and your school that, that needs to be safe. And I don't think that you can just pick technology off a shelf and suddenly everything gets better. I just think it's, it's like a knee jerk. All right, let's continue talking about this. In studio with us today is Nick Badminton, a futurist. I want to get your take on this. If you have a question for Nick or you want to weigh in, what do you think about the idea of facial recognition technology being installed in schools? Do you think it's a good idea? Does it invade your privacy, your children's privacy too much? Continuing now with Nick Badminton, he's in studio with us, a futurist. We're talking about facial recognition technology, a school in New York, bringing it in, saying that it will make the place safer. Let's go to the phone lines. Antonio has been waiting patiently on the line. Good afternoon. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, I guess right off the bat, I'm against this kind of technology because I do believe it invades privacy, but... Uh, with all the legislation now with uh, the government to see the internet consumption by, by everyone, and in most of the cases where there has been an attack on a school, the, the agencies have already known about these people. And so I'm just wondering how this would aid in, in preventing anything if we already have active people, you know, looking into these uh, people and are not able to stop anything from happening. So. All right, Antonio, thanks for the question. Nick, uh, 
yeah, what do you think? Yeah, in cases, because we do often hear, oh, well, he had a record or whoa, police, he was on the radar of police already. How would this play into that? It's very difficult to know exactly when someone's going to sort of pull the trigger, as it were, or actually like take a step forward to, to have actions. I mean, what you have to have is you, you have to have that dragnet of data and you have to, you know, know on, on social media and whatever, and then you put a marker against them, they walk into the school, this surveillance technology could be lined up with that somehow through the cloud or, or data analytics. And yes, that could be actually quite useful. But you can't walk around like pointing the finger and just say, you got really angry on social media. Right. You're, you're going to be an absolute risk today. And that's the biggest problem with all of this, right? Um, it's knowing when to make that call. Do we get to the point of predictive policing where mm. it ends up being like minority report and you end up arresting kids for like having some sentiments and they get like, <laughs> you know, arrested <laughs> before even doing a crime, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's chat, uh, uh, check in with Derek on the line. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, I just had a few concerns with it. They've already shown in the UK that the police have breached people's privacy. Um, and that's definitely a concern, especially considering here in Canada, the RCMP have been caught doing that with gun owners multiple times. Um, how would you stop that or what consequences would actually come to the police for breaching people's privacy like this? All right, Derek, thanks uh, for the call. And I think privacy is one of the big issues for people. Yeah, I mean, we had the, the, the Snowden situation and, and, and all of that, that listening that the NSA was doing, CSIS in Canada is equally as, uh, as guilty as is GCHQ in the UK. Surveillance hasn't actually uh, reduced a lot since that. In fact, it's, it's been dialed up. They're very uh, brash in terms of usage of that data. Um, the kids being born today do not will never have a, a, a version of privacy that we had when we were growing up. Right. We, we live it. We live in a post-privacy world. Um, we're in a surveillance state, um, and ultimately. We're volunteering more information ourselves through social media than we ever have done before, like location, opinion, pictures, and whatever. Plus, the streets, I was just talking to you in the break, we're bleeding data. Talk a bit about that. Sorry, sorry, because people tend to think, well, technology does this, but we as humans still hang on to our fingerprints and our things that make us unique and that that we can keep that hidden but uh, you have a very different take on that yeah so i mean everything from the gate of your walk um and and your and your physiological makeup is actually very ind- independent from each person to to the next so so we're actually we're, we're actually bleeding data that can tell people a lot about us our faces are it's probably more reliable than a fingerprint um actually a tongue print is more unique than a fingerprint but it's different difficult to use that in technology is pretty disgusting but like uh we, we are bleeding that data so this has been done for years and years and years um things like snowden's whistleblowing whatever has just push it pushed it to the floor very much like these conversations i think that we can turn around and say we we do want our privacy but literally i've known people that have chosen to drop off the grid and never go outside and that's the only way that you can ensure that to happen we talked about this on the break as well so the difference though between crime prevention and and we'll hear the argument for that this is good. Facial technology at a school is good because it can help us pr- 
prevent crime. But you also talked about simple information gathering. Yeah. This is being done. People are looking at our faces and gathering information on, and moods of us. And this is yeah. simply for, for marketing, for advertising, for companies. Yeah. So um, say, say you go into, uh, there's the Amazon Go store down in Seattle. I mean, I speculate that their recognition technology, that's what it's called, recognition with a K, um, mm-hmm. actually captures um, your facial mood. Now, if you go through the patent, it doesn't say that's precisely, but I would absolutely do that as a, as a, as a retailer. And if you can match your, your mood of a cupcake or, or a certain brand against your online profile, suddenly your dragnet gets even bigger and you can profile someone even more completely. And do people know they're being profiled? Well, you know, when you walk into, when you walk over the threshold of, of a place that's got that kind of technology, that's almost like your signature on the paper, right? Right. So how do you protect yourself? Be like your friends who have fallen off the grid? Yeah. That's the only thing you can the, do. It's the only thing you can do if you truly want to like remain off the grid is, is, is do that. <laughs> it's, it's almost impossible in today's world. Absolutely mm-hmm. impossible. Um, you just have to know that you have to, you have to live a good life and do nothing wrong. Unfortunately, um, you, you can tell a story from any data that you find, and sometimes that's a bad story, right? Uh, you mentioned your, your gait, the way you walk yeah. also identifies you, uh, yeah. could be identifying you. Are there people watching, people walking down the street and identifying people that way? So, in the intelligence communities, uh, satellite technology has been used for a number of years to actually be able to tell um, who is who by the gate of their walk, yes. <laughs> it's not widely used um, against <laughs> civilians, but in military right. intelligence situations, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think this is this is the future in that we already know when we walk around, you're on surveillance cameras, you're in cameras all the time, all day long. Are we now soon going to be uh, facing facial recognition technology no matter where we go? It, it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent. I was just down in Silicon Valley last month and one of the places it was an AI company. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they had 16 cameras that took three-dimensional images of my face to, to basically create facial recognition. And I no longer needed a card. It was my face that automatically opened the doors that I was allowed to get into. Wow. You can pay with your face in cities in China. It's the new credit card. You know, we're not going to be carrying these things around and it's going to be called convenience. Uh, We're sleepwalking into corporate surveillance. Wow. And even, I mean, we thought it was a big deal when it was the iris scan when you got your Nexus card. Yeah, I love it though. (laughs) <laughs> it is convenient. <laughs> I, get, I get in and out of the country beautifully quickly. Uh, last, we've got about a minute left. Uh, sh- what, what, what's our biggest takeaway from this? We're talking about the school in New York. What, what do we take away as consumers, as civilians? Yeah, technology doesn't fix the problem. We have to fix the problem through policy, through regulation. You know, if we want to protect children, we have to do that at a much more base foundational level. And that's around registration of guns. It's around uh, actually making it illegal to carry handguns, automatic weapons and whatever. And this is a big problem in the States. All right. Thank you so much. That is Nick Badminton. He joined us in studio. He is a futurist.